Welcome. Welcome. To Attack of the 50 Foot Podcast. 50 Foot Podcast. Hello and welcome to Attack of the 50 Foot Podcast. I'm Robert. Hi, I'm Allie. I'm Cameron. And today I predict that we watched Plan 9 from Outer Space. That's a good prediction. Yeah. Isn't it an odd thing to say, I predict that this story is about to happen? Because that's how this movie opens. Ah, At the time, this guy was on, like, the Johnny Carson show and a bunch of stuff. And we just went on to, like, make a bunch of random bullshit predictions. His name is Chriswell. Um, And so he predicts a story that has already happened and tells to us. And it's not really a prediction then. It's just a story that he heard, kind of. And he also, yeah. like, all of his lines are amazing. In the middle of, uh, like, his monologue, for no reason, he just says the incidents, the locations. The dialogue in this movie is interesting. So great! I love every minute of this. Um, okay, so the movie actually opens on a funeral for an old man's wife. And it's very sad, and he's, uh, I don't know how else to put it. It's Dracula. It's uh, Bela Lugosi in, like, his very final starring role, uh, because he kind uh, of. famously died. Oh, kind of, yes, because his, <laughs> uh, it, yeah. his corpse is resurrected with the magic of editing. Yeah. Yeah. And the magic of, let's just do Dracula all over again. But he's really always covering his face. Don't get it. He's always covering his face. <laughs> uh, after the funeral, poor old man really misses his wife. And they narrate a few all flowers. of it. Oh my God. It's so slow and so long. It's very clear that they were just like, we need to use every stitch of footage we could use of Bella. Because he died during the production of this. And we just see him walk out of a house, smell some flowers. It's so long. But then the action happens. Like immediately. Aliens. Aliens! <laughs> so we get to see out the window of um, the most adorable uh, airplane cockpit I've ever seen, uh, the most adorable flying saucer I've ever seen. Oh Everything in this movie is made with cardboard. Oh yeah, and Cam was saying as we were watching it that clearly these pilots are drunk because they wobble hardcore. Not the pilots, but the pilots the of the alien UFO. Pilots, yeah, the, the alien pilots are the worst <laughs> part of this film like... because they're just like this the whole time. And they're never spinning. That's the one thing I noticed like halfway through the film is that the discs are never spinning. They're like literally they on a string. They just wobble <laughs> and fly through the air. Yeah, yeah, it's like somebody is holding it on a string, but also like janking the stick up and down. Yeah. So they and just they sort of like, like bounce like around. nine cups of coffee before doing this. Well, you know what? I would, I would prefer that over pilots who don't even hold the steering column. Steering column, yeah. They do, I, I don't know what else to call it. It's just uh, like, it's one of those long gift wrapping cardboard tubes taped to a triangular piece of cardboard, all of it spray painted black. And all of their dialogue is hilarious. It's like, yes. what are you talking about? Cam's going to mention that later. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, yeah one of dialogue. my notes... One of my notes for this movie was, I don't understand what anyone is saying, and I don't think it's my fault. And there were no subtitles on TV. Oh, yeah. It sucked. (laughs) So anyway, uh, our pilots are all spooked because of a bright light coming from a flying saucer that flies over a graveyard. And uh, the graveyard is 
uh, only attended by two gravediggers who have finished burying the old man's wife. Uh, here, for some reason, played by Vampira, uh, who some of you may know as like the predecessor to Elvira. Just like very tight waist, a lot of coursing going on. So I, so Ali was talking about that when we were watching it, and then I looked it up, and actually Elvira doesn't have anything to do with the other one. They didn't draw. They drew their inspiration from someone else because Vampire or Vampira, whatever, she came in and then her whole persona disappeared like after a few films because it wasn't working anymore. But she still is basically the predecessor to Elvira. I mean, in theory, but when I looked it up, like she doesn't actually have anything to do with Elvira. But she does because they look pretty much exactly the same. In fact, uh, Vampira sued Elvira for stealing her act. Um, I, I am, my source for this is the movie Ed Wood, which is actually about the making of this movie. Uh, it's Tim Burton's best movie. I recommend everyone go out and watch Uh, these two as a double feature. Excuse you? Tim Burton's best movie. Oh God. Oh yeah. He made Batman. He made 1989 Batman and changed the scope of cinema and ratings forever. Wait, hang on. Cam, are you like really into Batman? No. Huh. I didn't know this. I'm wearing a <laughs> Superman hat right now, not a Batman hat. So it's okay, different. Anyway, you get you back on track. So Batwoman, sorry, Vampira, raises from the grave. And uh, the grave diggers, uh, having just walked away from her grave, stand there looking frightened as she approaches them with jazz hands, not saying a single line. And then uh, they scream and fade to black. Um, apparently jazz hands being very terrifying. Uh, so those are our, like, first on-screen deaths, um, followed almost immediately by the old man, who's, he's never given any other name besides old man, Bella Lugosi, is now also dead. Yeah, he's just, that's it. He's also dead from sadness. Well, in real life, he was also dead, so. (laughs) I think that's kind of part of what inspired that a little bit. In real life, did they bury him in a cardboard clown car mausoleum? It's hilarious how many people come out of this tiny little box. It's so small. You have to like bend completely over to get in and out of that thing. It just, who built that? They suck. Did you say clown car mausoleum? Yeah, because it's small. What are you doing? A bunch of large people in it. What are you typing? Cameron. I can confirm they did not bury him in anything like that. (laughs) <laughs> I looked it up. Google says that they didn't. Oh, good. Oh, good. Thanks he for telling was, me. He was buried one, wearing one of his Dracula capes, though. Oh, oh yes. So I do he went out like that. he lived. Did he want that? He did. Uh, yeah, yeah, apparently okay. it was in his will. And it was his okay. fifth wife that said that he wanted it. So, yeah. Um, <laughs> anyway, good detour. Thought you'd be yes. curious about that. So no, he was not actually buried in a tiny mausoleum, but the movie posits that they do. And uh, it's a graveyard with just delightfully thin, flimsy uh, gravestones all around. Like very short too, like a foot high. It's the smallest set in the film, I swear. Oh yeah. And they revisit it constantly. Yes. Oh my God. Um, So now the police show up. Uh, uh, kind of concurrently with the funeral because they're there investigating the deaths of the two gravediggers. And the lead detective, I guess, is played by a Swedish wrestler named Tor Johnson, who I uh, cannot confirm this, but believe learned his lines phonetically. 
seems like really? he's having a blast, doing a great job, but oh my God, I couldn't understand a word he said. I couldn't understand a word most people said in this. Yeah, th- there was a lot of like, the, the lines were weird. The audio is kind of off. This has clearly been like uh, remastered a bit because the movie came out, what was it, Cam? 57? 1959. 59. So yeah, it's, uh, they clearly had to clean some stuff up. But uh, despite him being only just introduced, uh, the lead detective is murdered immediately by uh, a man wearing a Dracula cape and holding it kind of like elbow to nose as if he were like hiding his face to hide that it's not Bella Lugosi as if we couldn't freaking tell <laughs> that he grew a foot. Yeah, that's the other thing is that's part of the reason why they had to cover his face is because he was much taller. They did, Ed Wood didn't even try. He didn't even try to get anybody that made any sense for the part. Yeah. Yeah, it's um, it's pretty amusing. Um, but yeah, so they, he dies, in which we have our third funeral scene. Another funeral. Just, in, you know, I've heard of like, hey, you know, in a script, you don't want to have a double beat. You don't want to have like the same thing happen twice unless you're twisting it around. This has three of the same beat happen almost immediately. Um, yeah. So yes, we now have... Um, the saucer montage, which I'm going to get into in greater detail later, because that's one of my favorite scenes. Aliens come um, back. Yes. Uh, so, uh, basically, yeah, Ali is correct. Aliens show up again. The military gets involved. There's a lot of stock footage. Uh, we'll get into that. Uh, and we eventually get a chance to meet some of the aliens who are just humans in adorable costumes everything yeah. about this movie is adorable and i will i will talk about that one <laughs> okay good good um so yeah uh we now after everyone's uh very scared of the aliens they've been p- popping up all over the place we even get a mention of them destroying a town which i don't think happened it, it like it's given that information is given to us by one of the military guys, but it seems like they're only just flying around above cities and flashing lights at people. Well, like the, the, the feeling I got from this was that the town that was destroyed was like the only thing they show us where a town could have been destroyed possibly was the pilot's town. Like the UFO flies over and just like demolishes his backyard. Like he pushes everything over because of how high speed it's going. That's the only thing I can think of is like, maybe yes. that was supposed to be the town that was destroyed partially or whatever. The way the story went in my brain was that they had tried to communicate with us earlier and they were like, nah, so they destroyed a town. But then oh. now they're back. And, and my d- completely different version of that <laughs> is that they had tried to d- communicate with us earlier. We said, nah, and they were like, uh, well, this is a problem. And then just... Apropos of nothing, the military blamed the destruction of a town on them, even though it didn't happen at all. Okay. (laughs) I don't know. I kind of like it. Pick your, choose your adventure. This story has some holes. So, listener, don't think that we're going to get this one figured out. Tell us what you think. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, please. (laughs) Let us know in the comments. Um, so yeah, speaking of the um, the pilot's backyard that gets mildly tussled by the passage of wind, haha. Um, 
we meet the uh, pilot's wife. He and his uh, wife are just sort of hanging out in the backyard. He's really overprotective and really weird. It's it's kind of uncomfortable, but it's also, yeah, it's the late 50s. Misogyny was just sort of like sugar. It was in everything. And now we get to watch it. I thought you were going to say mercury or lead. That was Also in everything. Also, I was going to say he's like Patrick Wilson, this dude, uh, whose name is Gregory Walcott in real life. Yeah. Uh, This this scene reminds me a lot of... um, the Twilight Zone. Um, how they always intro with those classic 50s households. And like, oh, something's happening. Wife, stay home and don't lock the doors because that's not what we do. How dare you <laughs> compare this to the Twilight Zone? It just reminded me of that, the way they set it up. Just this one specific scene. Yeah, there is a bit of like, I don't know, strange things are afoot. You better be careful, honey. And then um, strange things are immediately afoot. There's no <laughs> waiting for it. My favorite um, thing that she says in this scene is, I might even just lock the back door. Like, yeah. why don't you lock all of them and all the windows yes. and everything else? I think she says the side door. Whatever, like just which, one door. She's like, I might, I might even lock that one. Yeah, which I still just like, she obviously didn't either, which is, they show later. That's the exact one that he walks in. Mm-hmm. Yes, yeah. she didn't. Yeah, because um, immediately after the husband leaves, and by leaves I mean gets into a car that's very clearly indoors, and he's not going to be able to drive it off because there's a wall right in front of him. Um, uh, the wife goes to bed, and uh, not Bella Lugosi uh, once again comes out of the uh, crypt and wanders directly into her bedroom. Like, yep. no... No wandering, just wanders directly right in. And she runs away. He's moving very slowly. Again, all of this is adorable. I love this movie. I love every second of it. <laughs> um, the wife does the whole thing where she runs to the cemetery, does a few damsel screams, does a few, uh, oh no, my heels, twisted ankle. Ah. And uh, then we get the giant Swedish detective raising from the dead. Uh, and honestly, and I mean this genuinely, one of the best bits of makeup they do in the movie. It's one like, of the best shots like they do, too. Because yeah. that's what I said. I rewatched it earlier, and I was like, actually, actually, this is not the worst shot in the film by any means. It's actually pretty solid. The gravestone grows for some reason in the shot. It's really big, but still solid. Oh, yes. It's, it's kind of cutting back and forth between, like, a tiny gravestone wobbling over, like, somebody's hand that's covered in a little bit of dirt. And then, it, it, like, it cuts back to him actually getting out of the grave and everything is giant. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's, it's very, I'm showing Ali currently. It's very big. Yeah. yeah. It's huge. Needlessly large. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah uh, so he raised from the dead and the wife is now chased by a second pursuer runs out of the cemetery and onto a road i see that ali had a problem with my phrasing here um the wife is then saved by a large butt with a farmer attached and what i mean by this is and i'm not trying to shame anyone's body but wow they really just sort of let that butt take up a lot of screen space and time I did not know what you were talking about until Cam finally found the scene again, and you are right. Yeah. 
it's just very it, it's it was very noticeable his pants Again, don't i'm not help. trying to shame anyone but it's it, like he's wearing the exact wrong outfit for his body <laughs> um yeah so yeah, he's saved. We don't see the large butt again, so it's fine. We don't really have to worry about him. This, I think, is now the scene where it is revealed that the aliens are raising people from the dead on purpose as like a kind of invasion tactic. We'll get into more of that later. It's, it's part of the plot. But still, I don't even think we'll nail it down exactly because there's a lot of contradictory stuff in here. And apparently they are using electrodes to control the zombies. I don't get how that works. Guns. They they use they use like a panel at first, and then later they use guns, where they're literally just pointing a gun at the zombie, and the zombie is making like precision turns and movements, and like how are you communicating? Yeah, I'm going to talk about that scene too. Okay, all right, I will leave you for that one. (laughs) So yeah, now we get a scene where a general gives a colonel who we met earlier in the uh, montage, I'll talk about him a little more, a really hard time about, hey, we've said that UFOs don't exist and you still think they do? And the colonel's like, well, yeah. I mean, I shot them. Like everyone around me saw them too. He's like, are you sure? You could be court-martialed. I don't get the scene. <laughs> At all. It doesn't make any sense. Why is he being so secretive for something that he th- that the colonel clearly knows is a lie? Yeah. Um, so, yeah. At that point, we learn that, like, oh, yeah, the aliens have contacted us before, um, but we didn't want to have anything to do with them. And now we do though. And you, Colonel, the first man to fire on one of their ships are the perfect man to make first contact. See, this is why I thought that the destroying of the city earlier was something before, you know, because this is, in this scene, they say they tried to contact us before and we were like, nah, but then we built a machine to translate what they were saying. Yeah, and it took them a really long time to do that. And then they go and talk to them in person later and don't need a translator, but whatever. (laughs) Yeah, oh my god, I didn't even think about that. If the aliens were speaking English all along, what was the point of the long bit about, like, it took us years to come up with a device? They totally, like, missed something there. I mean, part of that whole thing, too, is still that they only ever talk about the the one government being contacted by the aliens. And the aliens only ever talk about that too. They always say it's, it's basically just the U.S. government. Because we're the only one. Fuck all the other governments. Or like only well, the they U.S. Keep saying, they keep saying world leaders, but yeah, it's clearly only the U.S. that like anyone is dealing with. It doesn't seem like the aliens are anywhere else. No. Like it's the American military who are firing on them. <laughs> exactly. Um, Okay, so yeah, the, uh, the, we, we, the next scene is just sort of, um, it's not super important. It's already gone over a lot of things we learned, except for one important bit, that the lead alien's name is Eros. Like, the god of sex. Such a weird choice. Yep. And it Cam, really upset me. Cam brought up earlier when we were talking about this that, you know that scene where, like, you know, you said old school misogyny when like she tries to stand up for him and he's like that's enough oh, and yes. he's like you're only here to continue the race and not be part of men's battles or whatever mm-hmm. i can't cannot butcher that later um but that means then if she's not supposed to be doing man's battles hair quotes then she's literally just there to fuck him 
Mm-hmm. She's oh, there as his yeah, sexual probably. assistant. That's literally what she's there for. And his name is He Heroes. confirms that early on. <laughs> yeah. Uh, or later on, I guess. Yeah. You know what? That all adds up. It does. Unfortunately. <laughs> for it now. It really And also it does. makes sense. Like I sort of glossed over it in this scene because it's it's kind of pointless. Like they bring in the giant Swedish detective and she's got the gun on him, but somehow she fucks it up. And like it, it, and he gets loose for like thirty seconds and just sort of like awkwardly swats <laughs> at Eros until she gets him under control, and that's it. There's no consequences. So uh, basically, all of the and I'll put massive quotes around good guys are now hanging out in the backyard. Um, the colonel, the pilot, and the pilot's wife, and. Uh, oh, there was another cop who doesn't do anything except point his gun directly at people he's talking to for no reason. He's, he's a pointless character, but they're all in the backyard listening to the wife tell her story about um, not Bella showing up and chasing her out. Um, and no one really believes her until, hey, not Bella shows up again. I love this part. It's, it's so silly. No one really reacts. He just keeps creeping closer um still with the arm over his face of course and uh one of the cops i think shoots him a bunch of times and nothing happens (laughs) Um, and then oh my god i like this is the logic that i need to really break down um it's mentioned a little bit earlier like oh we will uh shoot uh, uh the decomposer ray at one of the zombies and that'll make the humans think twice about investigating this further. Um, they do that. He turns into a skeleton, just uh, just a plastic skeleton rolled up in a black coat, laying on the ground. And what yeah. do our heroes immediately do, but go to investigate further. I Okay, so we had to like rewatch this scene a couple times because the way they angled it, if you remember, they have not Bella Lugosi, there's like a cop and then Bella Lugosi is right in front of him, but they're also right in front of the camera. So as Lugosi gets closer, he covers up the cop. And then he kind of like, like lunges at him or something. And then the cop just like disappears. And we're like, did he eat him? Like, where did he go? He just barely falls on the ground. But yeah, he like collapses scene. in front of him. But because he's wearing the huge cape, you don't see him collapse until like, like you said, they show the skeleton. Yeah, and then somebody like slaps the cop in the face a few times, and he's fine now. We we had to rewatch it to figure out what happened. <laughs> yeah, that's why I love this movie. None of it makes sense. You're constantly Never. on your toes, asking what, why. <laughs> okay, so uh, this this then proceeds to the climax of the movie, which I'm gonna just save for later because I think uh, both Cameron and I put our names on that one. There's so much to talk about. about, Um, And anyway, the movie ends really abruptly after that. Um, Chriswell, who you may remember from the very beginning, uh, once again appears to spout some absolute garbage nonsense at us. (laughs) It doesn't make any sense. He's like, you may pass someone on the way home tonight who's from another planet. Okay. And he's he's talking about how, like, this may seem ridiculous, but we used to laugh at cars and radio and television, just like we laugh at outer space. What? Yeah, fuck Are are we saying that outer space doesn't exist? What's your point? It's not as scary as it looks. 
Everyone knows it's not near as deep, and the Earth is a flat disc, and the moon is a concave disc or convex, whatever it is. All right, I'm reptilian pope, I gotcha. <laughs> I didn't even say it this time. You said it. God so. damn it. <laughs> he actually didn't even say reptilian pope in the last episode of the other podcast. No, I didn't. So Ooh, I've been doing really thank well. God. It's probably you the reptilian you... pope slowly controlling my mind. Okay, you know what? I, uh, I am sorry. I'm sorry. Listener, we almost went an entire episode without someone saying reptilian pope. But all right, um, that was more or less the movie. Uh, yeah. Let's dive in. Let's break down our favorite scenes. Uh, so we talked about like when the when the UFO first shows up, you see it through the eyes of two airplane pilots in one of the worst airplane sets you'll ever see in your life. Uh, it it zooms past them and it shakes, shakes. I'll say that loosely, the whole plane. And really what that does is that moves the lights on the set, which one of my favorite things is one of the lights shifts by and you see the boom shadow just going right past the plane. So <laughs> I don't know if maybe the UFOs had booms on them. Maybe that's what we'll go with. But uh, yeah, it just like it violently shakes everything and then it just sits in the sky. And like we said, these things don't spin. So it's just, just it's just there and it's just sitting there and then, the pilot says, uh, take a look at that. And the stewardess comes in and says, what in the world? And then we just get, that's nothing from this world, which is like our introduction into this is a UFO. It's is, aliens. <laughs> it's aliens. And then my favorite part about this whole thing is the pilot's like, did anyone see that on the plane? And she's like, no, nah, I think they're all sleeping. They're sleeping through the plane, which just shook with the force of a ship from another planet. No way. But uh, the the ship does fly away eventually, and it's just drunk as hell. It's it's the most wobbly, uncoordinated. I mean, at any point, if it wasn't suspended from a wire, it could have just flipped. And it's ridiculous. And it's 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 a really quick scene. A lot of scenes in this are very very fast. Because the whole movie is only like, what, an hour, 19 minutes, something like that? It's pretty short. Oh, yeah. It just barely hits feature. That felt like, so much longer than that. <laughs> it did. Uh, it felt much longer. But, uh, yeah. But it's just like our whole introduction to the aliens here. And it's the most over-the-top way to introduce the alien spaceship. And then they fly into the cemetery, which comes up later as a whole thing. Which we'll talk about at the an end. An unnecessarily long thing. An unnecessarily long thing. Yeah. <laughs> A lot of this movie is either uh, oddly abrupt or unnecessarily long. There's no sense of pacing. No. Accurate. No, there's really not. Also, I noticed that all of our favorite scenes are the only ones that involve the aliens extensively. <laughs> yeah, because the <laughs> humans are boring as shit. Yeah. I will say I almost did the scene with uh, knockoff Patrick Wilson and his wife sitting in their back patio. Just because there's like that part where he like stands up and he's like, it burns me up. And it's, <laughs> it's just like the dialogue itself in that is so terrible. And then all of their tables just shifting to the side when lights fly over them. Oh, yes. And everyone I, just sort of like level one improv, like crumbles to the ground, mm-hmm. just sort of like leans over a little bit. She passes out like a fake passes out. Yes. She like she like hits the chair and then she like immediately wakes up, which is the dumbest thing because I rewatched it today. It's so dumb. Um, what I will say though about that scene, real quick, since it's not here, I just want to say one thing: is a lot of space movies do forget that if a UFO was to pass by overhead, it should cause a disturbance if it's just overhead. And this movie didn't. And Edward doesn't mm. get enough credit for that. 
because how many other alien movies do you see an alien spaceship fly over and a bunch of people's patio furniture go flying? <laughs> Doesn't happen. Just saying. Speaking and of that's aliens. That's the mark of an auteur. <laughs> um, actually, th- there is one thing. We should have put this on the list, I think. Um, but I personally am a connoisseur of bad movie kissing. And holy shit. <laughs> it's like the pilot husband like vacuum sealed his lips around her closed mouth and then just sort of like wiggled his head back and forth. It looks so bad. Anyway, on to my favorite scene, the saucer montage. So at this point, the flying saucers have made themselves very apparently known to everyone. Uh, There's a bunch, a bunch of scenes of people leaning out of their car windows and like pointing up at the saucer like, yeah, no, we get it. We all see it. You don't need to, like, point it out. Um, and immediately, and I mean almost immediately, the military attacks. And it's all stock footage. It's all just sort of things that Ed Wood found lying around, I guess. Um, and it's hilarious because it's all clearly like out in a field and like they're like doing tests of these like missile barrages and and it keeps cutting back and forth between that and a man standing inside in a gray room just like holding binoculars up to his face. And I would like to take this uh, opportunity to read verbatim the notes that I had wrote, written down. Um, they are firing so much and so early. Holy shit, they are still firing. Holy shit, that guy is still staring through binoculars. It goes on for easily five minutes of screen time, which doesn't sound like a lot until you remember that the movie is 80 minutes long. And that's like an appreciable portion of the entire runtime is just this bit. This was definitely a part where like I like zoned out. Yep. And also um, you mentioned how he's clearly standing inside or at least against a blank wall, but yet they have him with binoculars like he's outside. They consistently do this through the movie where they have them on like a blank set, but they're still supposed to be outside. Mm-hmm. Yep. They did that with the car earlier that he yeah. gets into, but it's so clearly indoors. So the flying saucer apparently doesn't take any damage from like every missile that the U.S. owns. It just keeps flying around. I noted that the sound sounded like if you sort of like compressed a condor screech, like that one bird scream that we're all very aware of. Mm-hmm. If you just like shrank it down, it's just like higher pitched. I, I don't know who said this, but um, it was all one character who's like, what do they want? Where are they from? Where are they going? They just ask deadpan these questions. Also, like the, my favorite one being, where are they going? Well, they're here. What do you mean, where are they going? Flying around causing havoc. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so this happens, that part happens, like we can... I say we have it out of order here. We can talk about it real quick because it's part of it's a, it's like just after the montage scene. That whole part is with the uh, the colonel who chooses to fire at them because he's standing on like a blank background and he says that he says, "What do they uh, want? Where are they from? Where are they going?" <laughs> Among a million other dumb things after that montage. Uh, one last thing, and I'm, I'm, this is another thing, I should have attributed both of these lines, but I wrote them down for this bit, um, where someone is talking about like, hey, I saw a saucer, it was a flying saucer, it was shaped like a cigar. <laughs> That's not what a saucer is. 
Yeah. I was baffled by that line. <laughs> I do not get this because they show us like the angle where it would be, you know, the flat saucer and then like the top round part. Mm-hmm. So that doesn't look like a cigar. And if you're looking at it from the ground, then it's probably a circle. And it's like, how did you get cigar? Because if you take off the top part, it's a cigar shape. It's elongated. This is a thing in the UFO. No, I know. I know what you're. World anyway. I know what you're talking about. Yeah. I'm saying usually, if we're going into conspiracies, usually you don't have the the top part on it, which is why they say it looks like a cigar. But this one did. No, you do. That's that's where that comes that from. That doesn't make any sense. That, it does like, not shape like a cigar. Even the original ones that were seen out of the airplane. Does your cigar have a boil in he, it? He said that they were cigar shaped. Like the main body of it is supposed to be cigar shaped. So that's the whole point. Is like the body of the aircraft is cigar shaped, that's and dumb. then you have the dome. Yeah, I've always thought it's. Cameron, dumb we believe you, but the movie does not support that at all. Okay, well, I like I, I said, think it's dumb if you as saw it well. from the ground, it'd be round, <laughs> and if you saw it from our perspective, it's straight with a bulb, like a bulb on top. So, but anyway. yeah, that, that is it. <laughs> so right after the montage scene, like literally right after, as Robert was talking about, uh, you have a soldier and the captain talking about how they just fired on an alien spaceship that you know wasn't technically supposed to be there or whatever. My, there's a few lines in there that are just like ridiculous though, because they're talking about like, why would you fire at them and things like that? Like, why wouldn't you try to talk to them first? Is what the soldier asks. And that's when the captain says, we haven't always fired at them. Then they attacked a town, a small town, I'll admit, but nevertheless, a town of people, people who died, which is... <laughs> it's just a bunch of sentence fragments. I, it, it really is. And it's just like, does... I, I just hate the implication of the, a town of people. Like, he feels the need to say it. And then he, that's when we get into the flying saucers are still a rumor, which, you know, pops back up later, as we talked about, with the whole, the government keeps it a conspiracy and things like that. It is, it's, it's a rumor officially, which is supposed to plant something that never really, never really takes off in the end, because they don't really go back to it very much. They go back to it like one more dialogue scene, and that's it. The whole scene is really weird because it's it's one of those scenes where they're outside, like we talked about, and they're standing on just a blank backdrop, and that's it. Like you couldn't film anywhere else. It never else. makes any sense. No, I mean you couldn't. Like even like Miami Connection was able to film around the city. Like this place can't. They can't film anywhere. Everything is just on a blank backdrop, and I've never seen this in even older movies where they're just stagnant settings. It's like the cheapest way to do something, I guess. But it's also what I wanted to bring up is that this was the first time that I noticed in the movie that this blank backdrop is the same blank backdrop that's in the driveway of knockoff Patrick Wilson's house. Yes. So behind their driveway, there's another big backdrop. It's the same one. It's It's just, I wouldn't even call it a backdrop. It's just flat black, like gray, really. Yeah. 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 I wonder if it was actually gray or if there was some color. Anyway, it looks terrible. It looks awful. Yeah. Then we we get to see the the mother ship, and yeah. I call it the nipple ship because it literally just looks like Saturn with a nipple on top. <laughs> and <Shipple>. that is <laughs> very accurate. It's like thick Saturn. Yeah. <laughs> Cam's gonna choke on his walk. Anyway, um. So they, we see our wobbly drunk things go into thick Saturn. And this is the first time we get to see our 
again, air quotes, aliens, which are really just people in fucking, I don't even know what kind of material that is, but I can feel it in my brain. Um, Mm -hmm. Just like that shiny, awful, super elastic material that they make cheap Halloween costumes out of. Oh yeah, that like sticks to your skin and it's like, it's not sequins or lame, but it's like weirdly shiny and awful. Yeah. It's like aluminum foil's ugly cousin. It's really uncomfortable. (laughs) Aluminum foil's elastic cousin. Aluminum foil meets spandex. It's really uncomfortable. Yeah. That's a good way to put it, I guess. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Anyway, that seems to be the only thing that is supposed to make us think, oh, yeah, those are definitely aliens. Um, And this is where we get the phrase, Plan 9 said to us. So, like, the two aliens that were in the spaceship... I guess one of the ones that we've been seeing fly around, they walk into the commander's room and Cam pointed this out to me. Uh, this has, this has got to be the thing that inspired Spaceballs. Cause have you seen Spaceballs Robert? Yeah. A, a while ago. You know, when they do that thing, that greeting that is similar to this thing that they did. Oh yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You guys know what I'm talking about. Yeah, um, we're all making the gesture right now, listener. <laughs> yeah, if you've seen Spaceballs, you know what we're doing. Yeah, but they do the same thing. Not, like, not the same thing. But they walk in and cross their arms over their chest and then, you know, put them at their side. It's just a half-hearted slap, too. Just... Yeah. And I'm like, that's, that's the thing that inspired Spaceballs, I guess. And so they talk to the, the general guy and the general alien. I'm sorry. Who has also the general alien is wearing like a medieval, a cheap medieval costume because it's like a vest with an axe on it. Yeah. Like what? It looks like he he was an extra in like a Camelot movie they were shooting on the next lot. Yeah, it looks ridiculous. This is also his only film that should be noted as well. Oh, <laughs> his name well, is I'm not Breckenridge. His his acting is. Uh, non-existent. Also, uh, side note, in uh, Ed Wood, the Tim Burton movie, that is played by Bill Murray, and it's one of my favorite oh my Bill Murray roles. <laughs> that is so much better. But yeah, so they're talking to the guy, and they're like, they still don't think we're real, and so we're going to move on to plan nine. And the general, or whatever he is, is like, ah, plan nine, resurrecting the dead. Ah, yes. He, like, opens a notebook, too. He has to look it up for a second. Yeah. <laughs> just kind of rustles some titled, papers. Yeah, like, like, just sort of like, oh, yes, what is that ninth plan that we have? And I titled the, our document where we put our notes in this, this, but I, it's a real question. Why is Raise the Dead your ninth idea? Yeah, and what does it have to do with aliens? What are the other ideas? I That's... know. What have you tried? Or the other eight? <laughs> so talk to them's got to be number one. Like, just show up, talk to them. I guess destroy a town might be it's one. one of the other ones. <laughs> like, maybe plan three. Like, send them a translator after they can't communicate with you. Then blow up a town. <laughs> and then I don't, you still have five, what, five-ish more ideas to go yeah, through? Yeah, I don't really get what all of those were. And then the funniest thing with plan nine is he's like, have you successfully raised any yet? And they're like, yeah, we've already done two. (laughs) Great. Oh, we're going to need some more if we're going to, you know, conquer the human race. I know. And they're like, oh, good job. (laughs) 
okay. And then they're kind of just like, all right, proceed with your plan. And they leave. My favorite though is when he picks up the plans too. And he's like, what is plan nine? And he's like flipping through it. Like, it, like that just looks like the script. Yeah. It just looks like the script. Like he just picks it up and he's like, I can't remember what it is. And <laughs> that's what it is. I want to say real quick, uh, the man who plays this part, Bunny Breckenridge. Uh, so he was only in one film. However, now I know why his eyebrows were so fabulous because they kind of like go in this arch. He was a drag queen. Oh. Yeah. So. Yeah. That's really interesting. Mm-hmm. I didn't know that and I wasn't expecting that. It's really cool. Also, um, I wanted to point out that it's kind of ridiculous for aliens to have papers. Oh, <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> they have trees on their planet, all right? <laughs> what an endlessly archaic thing for people who could travel through goddamn space. And they show that they have, like, computers and, like, electricity later, like, at the end. Yeah, exactly. Why do they have, like, clipboards and stuff? Yeah, he's just got a pile of papers on his desk. Oh, what's plan nine? Let me rustle. Anyway, that's that scene. And then, oh, I guess we just jump forward. I think it just jumps right back to where we return to the nipple ship. So, like, yeah, more shit happens on Earth. Bunch of stupid, slow scenes. Um, The same two dead people are alive and walking around. I guess it's three now. So they bring back the really big guy that they resurrected they bring him on the ship i think they actually technically brought all three on the ship but he was like oh show me the big one or whatever so they i think we mentioned earlier are controlling them with electrodes and in this scene they have electrode guns yeah and she's literally just like pointing it at his back to control him to walk forward and like do everything i guess so she she walks the big guy into the room with the other two men, like the 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 general guy and her partner, and she like loses control of the gun. She's like, "It's not working! Oh no! It must be jammed!" And he's like, "Stop it! Stop it!" And like the zombie guy just kind of slowly and awkwardly like slaps at him. And grabs yeah, him. they do um, one of those classic, I always think of it as a Star Trek move because it's it's oh, one yeah. of those things that's never going to hurt anybody where they just sort of like raise both their arms up and then hit the other guy on the shoulder, like mm-hmm. each shoulder with both hands. It's, and he, it's like, so kinda, clumsy. He kind of goes to like grab his neck and then he, like the guy picks up his own gun and like gets him off or whatever. Oh, no, 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 that's uh-huh. not what happens. She she chucks her gun at the ground because the the guy in charge is all like throw it at the ground it'll break the signal. <laughs> yep, and then it that's does. Um, so then he's like, "Oh God, I was choking. I'm so injured." Um, yeah, and so then they're like, "Oh, we got to get him out of here." But see, look, he works. <laughs> the zombie is a zombie. Um, so she picks up the gun and shakes it a little bit. And she's like, ah, yeah, it must have fixed after the fall. And then just kind of carts him back out again. Uh, how about the most get ridiculous one. thing? <laughs> uh, I just, I love this scene because it's just the acting is horrendous. She's like, ah, oh. oh, oh, my gun's not working. And she's like kind of tapping at it and then throws it on the ground. Yeah, and it's all taking place 
in I would say like generously a 10 by 10 room. Yeah. Like everyone is right on top of each other. Yeah, it took all of like three steps for the zombie to reach the alien guy. Slowly. Yeah. <laughs> and so I think uh, this is really the only other time that we're in the nipple ship because then we're in their crash landed ship on Earth. Yeah, it's also not really totally clear where the nipple ship is because it seems like they relatively often, like at least twice, go back and forth between Earth and the nipple ship. Mm-hmm. Oh, well, I thought the nipple ship was in space. But yeah, I'm sure. oh, I, I was like, oh, this is probably like a, a like a base in the other galaxy yeah. or something. No, I figured they were right outside of Earth. I figured they were like outside of Earth's atmosphere because who's going to see it at the time? I mean, right, this was made in the '60s, where you don't really have like the technology to really Satellites. know about that. So, all right, well, at least you have fun with this next one. Yeah. So this is it, <laughs> listener. So we jump to the end. <laughs> Now. We we really like skipped around with our favorite scenes because there's a lot of this movie that's just kind of like a slog. Um, like like we said, it like pacing doesn't matter here at all. Everything is just either really fast or really slow. Um, but this this is where it all pays off. Yeah, I wanted to say real quick that I really thought about putting in that scene where like the wife I think is the one being chased through the cemetery, but they literally just run back and forth across the cemetery from the same angle like six times. Yes. And I was like, I don't really feel like there's a lot to say because I literally just said everything I wanted to say. It's ridiculous and annoying, and it's so obvious that they're literally doing like a Scooby Doo thing. Yeah. Anyway, please continue. <laughs> Um, so yeah, uh, so this is, uh, this takes place after we've seen the Skellington, um, where the slow cop has been like just swatted to the ground. And I guess the grand master plan that the aliens had of scaring the humans off, uh, is clearly not working. So the humans decide we're going to go into the cemetery and we're going to find out what's going on. Um, and this scene begins with some real basic old school sexism. It's, it's just awful. There's several lines. And you know what? I'm not even going to just take my word for it, listener. That's what's going on. <laughs> this is um, not a woman's place is generally all it is. Yes, exactly. Like, <laughs> what? Shut your mouth. You don't belong here. Um, so, yeah, the, uh, at this point, we've got... Uh, a uh, colonel murderer who wants to murder all the aliens, uh, but is also our head ambassador. So awesome. We've got um, not slow cop, but the dumb cop. This is the guy who I, I had a similar thing where I wanted to have a scene where this guy, but it was the only interesting thing in the scene. Uh, he like, he's the one who takes over after Swedish cop dies. He's constantly pointing his gun at, everyone including himself like he's doing that thing where he's like itching his eyebrow with the barrel of his damn gun he's a man haven't you heard (laughs) i'm impervious to bullets (laughs) i drank whiskey and bacon for breakfast at least that's not as bad as the cop in miami connection that's a real cop holding a real gun that points it at his real partner (laughs) right (laughs) because he's too excited about the film at least these are prop guns at least these aren't real yeah um yeah, so uh, so that guy and uh, the pilot and the colonel murderer are all like, yeah, no, we should all have guns. Let's go off into the uh, let's go off into the cemetery with guns. Shoot gun things. 
it's it's whatever um so once again we get the zombies walking around and they for the first time i guess despite the police spending several nights in this cemetery uh notice off in the distance a strange glow like huh what's that doing there we never thought to check that out yeah the the weird nuclear glowing ship in the distance that's in a small neighborhood that no one's noticed Mm mm-hmm no one's even thought about like, hey, maybe there's not supposed to be a giant glowing light right there. Yeah, don't they also show it above the house? They, well, it like it like edges out over the whole neighborhood, like the okay. whole glowing yeah. thing. Yeah, it it doesn't make sense, especially because as far as the movie is concerned, like their backyard abuts the cemetery. Mm-hmm. Like they're right next to each other. How has no one noticed this? It's very obvious. Um, so yeah, they make their way over there. I think I sort of glossed over a part where um, Vampira and maybe one of the uh, uh, maybe one of the other zombies are harassing them. Uh, it, it doesn't matter. It's just still more like we're gonna we're gonna really stretch this out. Really it's stretch more, this out. It's more of the same that we just see throughout the entire film, which is I mean, like if you took out the cemetery in this film or even cut it down after it's no longer necessary, then it becomes like easily a 45 minute movie because the cemetery is literally just vampire, vampire and Dracula and the detective just running around chasing various things that are going into the cemetery. Mm -hmm. That's really all it is. And like nobody bothering to stop this at all. So one day of filming. (laughs) Yeah, it was. Well, see, I actually wish, I wish it was one day of filming, but it couldn't have been because uh, Belugasi is in some of the scenes, and then his double is in some of the others, which means they had to go back and refilm some scenes because yeah. otherwise they would have just had Bella in the whole thing. Yeah. So unfortunately, they spent more than one day filming that for their sixty thousand dollar budget movie. Oh so. no! Sixty thousand dollars. But I mean, for the nineteen for nineteen fifty nine, I mean, like I will say, I, though, I thinking- looked it up and like. I think Psycho had four times that budget or something. So Okay, yeah. But I mean, Alfred Hitchcock had proven himself by then. I was honestly going yipes because that seems like a lot of money for the 50s. <laughs> I mean, this Especially was a, for this? Like yeah. I mean, it seems I mean, like it's too mostly much cardboard. for this. <laughs> Most cardboard was some coveted material in the 50s. Um, okay, so uh, one thing I think we, uh, another thing we kind of glossed over, we really want to get to the best part, which is where the alien confronts the humans. Um but the uh, the wife and slow cop are like left back at the car, and giant Swedish zombie um, comes to get them. He once again does the Star Trek double shoulder swat to knock the cop out. And um, does anybody remember how he gets a hold of the wife? Doesn't he just pull her out of the car? She screams oh, yeah. herself unconscious. Oh, he that's right. Yeah, and then just yeah. passes out. And then, yeah, he does pull her out of the car and then spends an inordinately long time carrying her around. I felt bad. I felt that was, this was like a um, like Princess Bride, Andre the Giant situation where I'm like, oh, there's no way this man is healthy enough to be carrying this grown woman around for what must have been a really long time. I was concerned least, for his health. At least Andre the Giant was a wrestler. He was built for that. What did Tor yeah. even do outside of this? Did he do anything? I think this was his first and only movie. I wouldn't know. Although, I, I mean, I know that Ed Wood went on to do things, so I wouldn't be surprised if he showed up in more Ed Wood projects. Yeah, if he continued to use him. 
because Edward did use multiple people. Like even Bella, he used more than once when he got the chance. Yeah. Oh no, he was in a lot of movies. Oh, he oh was really? In a lot of movies. Oh yeah, he was in at least fifteen movies. So yeah. you know what? Good for him. Good for him. Mostly they're uh, they are Edward movies though. So Just maybe like not so said. good. Not so good for him. So Cam, what uh, else happens in the scene? Well, the, the the part that I'm interested in is saying, like, my favorite part about the ending is just when they finally get to the spaceship, right? That's yeah. that's so we get to the spaceship and we finally see like the real like outside of it too, which is one thing because an, a ladder is just pasted onto the side of it, just glued on. Again, primitive technology for no reason. <laughs> I don't know what the purpose of the ladder is. Also, the spaceship is very square. And it's just yes. a wall. You can't even see the whole spaceship. But we've seen the thing is though is we've seen the ships from a distance, and they're very not square. They're not square yeah, at all. They're cigar shaped. And where is the ladder when you see them from a distance? That's what I don't know. And then it's just this dumb door, and then the aliens decide to let them in, right? Which really causes like the whole end chaos. I say chaos, yeah, they, but it's really talking for like twenty minutes. They let them in when they don't need to. The, their whole thing has been to like thwart this particular group of heroes for reasons unknown. Because, and it, let's just dive into this. At this point, we're we're told that like the aliens don't want to extinct, like wipe us out, but they're really worried that we're about to find like sort of like the H-Bomb's older brother that would Science. destroy sunlight. It's so, is it a solenoid? Is that a solar what it is? Solenite, yeah. Very, solenite, solenoid, yeah. Very close, something like that. Um, it, it doesn't make any sense. It was just sort of like, oh my God, I don't even know how to, it, basically they're saying that like, oh, there are particles in sunlight, which is true. Good on them for getting that right. Cause I, I don't are. know if maybe that was, like knowledge back then, but uh, it, it, it apparently, I think, oh yes, there's a gasoline metaphor that he uses. Where he's like, imagine a big pile of gasoline and, and it leaks out and it gets all over the earth and then you light a match on the earth and then it like explodes and then it goes and explodes the sun and it also explodes everything that the sun touches. So they're basically saying, we're, we think you're about to create a doomsday weapon. So we've got to destroy you because you've proven yeah. to be way too untrustworthy and violent this is some real common late 50s uh like oh no humanity is far too dangerous yeah i mean the bombs Um, had just been dropped to be fair and i looked it up earlier and the last like thermonuclear bomb was dropped in 1952 so as a test but so this was fresh in everybody's minds and like the biggest thing i got from this whole explanation is that his whole thing was if you blow up the sun, right, that blows up everything in the universe because in theory, it blows up everything the sun touches. It blows up the sunlight. Which then would blow up another sun, which then would cause another sun to blow up, which then would blow up another sun. (laughs) And then everything just goes up in sun flames. So basically solar catastrophe. Yeah. Yep. Science. That tracks. Yeah, except for, except for those random planets that float out there with no sun touching them. I guess they survive. But <laughs> other than that, everything dies. Yeah, it's a, it, I thought it was a, a cute thing, but it doesn't really make a lot of sense. 
Um, One thing I do want to give props to the only actor in this movie who I feel like who is actually trying is the head alien Eros because he's got some pretty good monologues in this. And I love it when a, like a good repeating a word over and over again, screaming. And he goes like the, all you earth people are idiots. Stupid, stupid, stupid. And then the pilot just pistol whips him in the face. (laughs) Oh, it's hilarious. Um, and right afterwards, this is where I'm like, okay, whatever. This is just a, a product of the times, but, um, uh, the aliens say something about like having reverence for God and the humans are like, wait, what? And I'm like, yeah. Did you not think that we were Christians? <laughs> we're all, yeah. Cri- yeah. It's a really awkward, like just thrown in part in the film. It is the it's weirdest so iteration of aliens I have ever seen. It's just humans in dumb outfits. That's it. Yes. Christian There's aliens. no makeup going on except perhaps on, um, the drag queen who probably brought his own. Yeah. Uh, it, it, it's, everything is the laziest version of it. And uh, like, I, um, I do know that one of the like funding sources for the movie was like a Presbyterian church. So mm-hmm. I, th- I can imagine that being like a producer's note. Uh, by the way, can the aliens, you know, believe in God? Cause they are, and I will maintain this until the day I die, the good guys in the movie. The humans are the bad guys. I don't know if there are good guys in the movie. That's what I'm going to maintain in this movie. You know, I don't yeah, think that's there fair. is a good guy in this movie. Like, I don't even know. The only character that's even remotely close to a good guy is knockoff Patrick Wilson. He's like the only one that gets remotely close to that, and even he's kind of an asshole. So, yeah. just a little bit, especially like. This is a good point for me for the aliens. Uh, we talked about it earlier, but the Eros throws his assistant because she steps in to say the same thing Eros has been saying. He's like, you got you humans are awful and you don't think before you do something. You're going to cause the destruction of everything. And he just yells like enough and he just tosses her to the side. And, and, then, and then Patrick Wilson knock off Patrick Wilson knocks he like steps up and he goes why'd you do that and then my favorite line in this whole thing like the dumbest thing I've seen and so cringy is in my land women are for advancing the race not for man's battle yeah I like Robert's iteration of that she believes the same thing as him and it is a woman's place to believe oh, yeah, that's things. What I, that's what I put in there. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. That that's what this that's like what his this whole part is. It's like it just proves that whole she's literally there as a sexual object for the alien. It's so fucked up. Yeah. Yep. Excuse me for standing up for you. <laughs> yeah. Excuse me for saying the same thing. Suddenly it doesn't matter anymore because I'm saying it. You know what, guys? The real villain of this movie is the patriarchy, for sure. (laughs) (laughs) And it's the the consistent theme throughout every (laughs) character in this film. Like, you give them enough time, they will show you their misogyny. That's, that. we're sort of, like, sliding into home right now. I I don't really understand, like, if any of the things we were told were true or not, like, especially from the American government, like, whether or not that town was destroyed, because it didn't seem like they wanted to do that. So, like, this just devolves into a scuffle between the humans and Eros, and, like, flames are going everywhere, and uh, the, the woman keeps trying to take off, like, 
to lift the saucer up in the air, despite the fact that the humans are causing the damage and they're on board. Like, maybe get them out first. Yeah. I feel yeah. like going into the air is only assuring your own demise. I know, and I think the other guy was shouting, too, like, like get us off the ground, take off. Well, why? I th- why? I think this whole thing just begs the question, why in the first place were they ever led on the ship? Also, they showed more than one flying saucer. Is this the only one that's doing anything? It's the only one that matters is the leader, I guess. Or, you know, There's the leader a bit earlier the where the leader's like, I need the two other ships that you have. You only get one now. Uh, It doesn't change the stakes at all, but we've included it in the script. (laughs) Because we can't afford anything else. Or maybe they shot the flying saucer blows up scene first, and they used like all of the models they had except for one, and they were just stuck with it. So they just went with the one. But like, it doesn't make sense to me why they ever let them onto the ship in the first place. Because like, these aren't the leaders of your world that you're going after here. You're just letting a pilot and some cops on board they don't mean anything. So you're telling them this whole thing, but like they had nothing to do with developing the military weapons. So they're not helpful to have this conversation with. Like if it had been, they let the president on board or they let like someone from the UN on board, like, okay. No. But no, that's not how that works at all. They'd already given up on trying to communicate with us. Why are they still doing that? Anyway, shit's on fire and it takes off on fire. And I think they literally set their little model ship on fire. because Yes, just, they did. It's adorable. It's, it's the best scene. It's tiny as fire. It's so cute. And then it firecracker explodes. Yeah. Like they obviously stuck like a firecracker in it and just... Yep. Which is the best. It's That's the, it. The best ending the, for Eros. And the humans are like watching from the ground, like very uh, not shocked or surprised like the colonel has his hands in his pockets they're all just sort of like huh so cool i guess that's done another day at the office (laughs) we're all gonna go back to our normal lives now i mean it's no different than how everyone acts throughout the rest of this film like when the pilots see the spaceship the first time they see it and then later we see knockoff patrick wilson he's like i can't talk about it that's pretty much it he's like makes me mad but at the end of the day like you know just try and remember to lock the door that we don't lock. <laughs> but other than that, like, you'll be fine. Lock all the doors. Stop not locking your doors, people. Um, yeah. Okay, so, so what movie. are some uh, some problems with this movie? Some recurring issues? The narrator. Why yeah. are you here? Yeah. My favorite yeah, no. times are when he's completely useless for narrating things. Like during the saucer montage, when it's like, the woman in the telephone booth sees the ships and is distressed. So she calls the cops. Yeah, he says she sees, she spots him from the street and she runs to call the cops. And that's exactly what we're seeing on screen at that time. Or a drunk man in the alleyway sees the newspaper. It's like, that's all that's happening on screen, bro. No way. Yeah. And he also has the weirdest cadence, like just pauses in really unnecessary places. Yeah. yeah. It's very strange and out of place. And oh, we also talked about the weird blank sets they use every once in a while. That I love it. I think it's thing. adorable. <laughs> like, yes, we're outside and it's just blank and gray. It's the easiest way to film something. You just throw up a blank backdrop and you call it a day. I mean, if you don't have a big enough one, you just 
have the actors sit on their knees too. You can't tell, just shoot them from the upper body. Easy enough. We have a table right behind us we can do that with. <laughs> now I want to make a movie like that. Just use only Blake backdrops the entire time. Like, man, this cafe is great. And then cut to like a NASA facility, but it's just the same <laughs> backdrop. It just says NASA right behind it though. It's on computer paper. <laughs> Yes, and and like a like a, a field in England where like the Battle of Hastings is going on in the background, but you're still just sitting at a table. All you need are the sound effects, right? That's it. That's <laughs> you can you can sell anything that way. Yeah, I mean, we also have the uh, the whole Dracula and vampire thing. I mean, like that. It's like they had no idea how to convey that these people were dead unless they were like classic dead characters. Undead characters. I think Ed would wanted to try and pull people in by using these characters. Because, they, I mean, to be fair, Bella is not actually Dracula in this, technically. No, but he is. He's wearing the cape. He's doing the cape thing. Well, he doesn't. He's undead. It's really just the body. Yeah, I know. But, yeah. like, they do that because it's Bella Lugosi. And also, it's not Bella. I mean, he's barely in this movie. Like, he's got a few seconds, and that's pretty much it. Because... He shows up at the beginning, and then, I mean, he didn't make it through the production of this movie. So, he's barely in it at all. I also feel really bad for him that this is... Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, fixing this, don't. That's my vote. said. Um, Also, (laughs) This is perfect, and I love it. (laughs) I don't really know how you would, so just don't. What? You could totally fix it. Okay, there's... Yeah, remake the whole damn thing. Here's something I'll say. There are some scenes where the music works really well. Like when the detective that died is crawling out of the grave. I love that whole part. It's beautiful. Are you sure it wasn't just because you were playing Superman It's really music well shot. It? I did play Hans Zimmer <laughs> tracks over it because Hans Zimmer has like a little bit, you know, it's got like a little bit more to it. So I played that, but it's just because it made me think of Hans Zimmer, which is why I did it. Um, but like, I mean, other than that, really to make it better, take out the misogyny, maybe. That'd be helpful. That's true. It's not necessary. It feels really unnecessary. It feels like it's just kind of ham-handed, just thrown in there for no reason. Yeah. And I don't know, maybe give us a reason why the aliens, like, they're actually doing all that. Like, I know they Tell us the reason. other plans. They give us a reason. That's a good one. Show us a list of the plans. Like, that's what I want. Yes, exactly. I want to see, like, plan six, grant dogs sentience and give them guns. <laughs> plan eight. <laughs> And obviously there's so many plans that the ruler didn't even know what which plan they were talking about because that means they have to have like a list of like a hundred plans. Are there more plans. than nine? Like what's the 10th plan? Like raise stuffed animals into like animatronic crazed chaos. So it's like Chucky dolls running around everywhere. Or Five Nights at Freddy's where it's ginormous yeah. animatronic monsters. And then where do you go from that? Like turning cats into jaguars, like everything, like all house cats. Oh God. There, there's so much you can do. Is, hours of just sleep. is it glue all of their ladders to their walls? Is that like plan 12? Because <laughs> they're very good at that. I realize. Uh, that. Now it shall be easier for you to vertically ascend. Is it easier when a thin ladder is glued to a wall? I feel like the whole point is you're supposed to be able to put your hand around the rungs on the ladder. And that's, that's not how that works. Uh, I did want to bring up real quick. Uh, so we talked about Vampira or Vampire or whatever, uh, how she sued Elvira, right? And she sued Elvira for $10 million. She lost this case. And I was like, why would she lose? And I couldn't find a real answer. And then I went to go look and she had been reminding me of someone that wasn't Elvira this entire time. And I realized she is just a straight ripoff of Morticia Adams. 
just a straight uh, up ripoff of Morticia uh, Adams who showed up in 1930. So Morticia oh, Adams had been around yeah. for 20 years right. by the time Vampira showed up. She's literally a straight ripoff of her. And she even had her own show that looks exactly the same. So Elvira, so if anything, is a copy of Morticia Adams, which is probably more likely. So okay. yeah, I wanted to defend Elvira. So mm-hmm. because they also use a version of Elvira in uh, Bill and Ted, or not Bill and Ted, uh, Billy and Mandy, which I always mix up with Bill and Ted. What? Based off that is completely different. No, it's not. No, Billy and Mandy's based off of Bill and Ted. It has to be because the second Bill and Ted movie, they go around with the Grim Reaper. It's the same thing. It's the same thing. Have you seen Bill oh, don't look at me, Adventure? I don't know what Bill and Mandy is. Billy and Mandy? It's a cartoon. You know, it's a cartoon from Cartoon Network from like the early 2000s. Nah. <sighs> He's old. Are you like 50? Are you lying to us? What's going on here? <laughs> what? No. <laughs> don't ask me about my license. Yeah, which birthday are we really celebrating next weekend? I want discounts if I go places with you. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> uh, all right. So would you guys recommend we watch this? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Eh. Eh. Google some scenes. I, if I say if you watch it, maybe just if anytime anyone's in a graveyard, just skip past that until they're no longer in a graveyard, because that's the majority of this movie. Yeah. Who cares about the humans? Just talk. Just watch the aliens. aliens that's all that matters. They're clearly, since that's all we talked. Great. I mean, it is it is a fun movie in some parts. I do think it's too long, which is funny because it's one of the shortest movies we've done. Yeah. I think Dark Dungeons is the only movie that's shorter than this that we've done. And that wasn't so, even technically a movie. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's like a four-part series turned into a movie, kind of. Yeah. All right. Uh, yeah. I would also like to toss out a quick recommendation for uh, Ed Wood, um, mm-hmm. which is the movie that Tim Burton directed about the making of this movie. Or really, it's about Ed Wood himself, but the back half is about this movie in particular. Yeah. Um, it's a lot of fun. It's also where I pulled a fair amount of my knowledge. So if I was wrong, blame Tim Burton. Yeah, I totally, I totally think that. Like, I haven't seen it, but I've, from what I've heard, it's probably like his second best movie. Totally. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, that's. But that's that's Plan Nine from Outer Space. Thanks for listening. Let us know if you've seen it. Let us know if you know what the other plans are, because we don't. Um, if you want to come up with your own list, I'll read that. Yes, please comment on this with what you think. Like, give a plan number and what the aliens would do to us. <laughs> be any plan number, like plan 39. Just let us know. Yeah. I like make dogs sentient and give them guns. <laughs> How would they use them? But they them? don't have thumbs. <laughs> How would, they'd have to, like, stick the other paw in, like, while they're holding it. <laughs> Oh my god. Anyway, we're on Twitter and Facebook at 50 Foot Podcast. Um, you can find us on any of your favorite podcasting apps, which you probably already did since you're listening to this. Um, I'd say so. Cool, thanks for listening. Unless you happen to be using like a podcasting app you don't like in particular. We're on a different one, so find us there. You don't just have one option. There's so many with us. Uh, yeah, let us know if you have any... Actually, you know, let us know if you have any suggestions for movies, too. Anything you think is interesting that we can look up that maybe we've never heard of, something off the wall. Maybe it's, you know, so off the wall that it's something like, I don't know, just off the top of my head, like Jesse James meets Frankenstein's daughter. You know, something weird like that. Uh, yeah, but plugging your own movies, Cameron. <laughs> I wish I thought of that. Okay. (laughs) 
Anyway, thanks for listening. I'm Allie. I'm Cameron. And I forgot my name. Goodbye. Attack of the podcast says (laughs) later. No, we already did it. Later, homies. It's over. Uh, Oh, God.